right, everybody. Aren't you glad to be in church again? You know, one of the things I think I love about this season, which is no one else is saying they love anything about this season, but one of the things I love about this season is that when you get to do the stuff that we couldn't do for a long time, it means more. You know what I mean, everybody? Like, like the first time you went back to a restaurant and sat in a restaurant and someone asked you, what would you like to drink? Because at home, I spent five months with me just fixing my own Diet Coke. You know what I'm saying? So somebody else doing that for me and my favorite words, I, I think when I get to heaven, um, the two phrases I'm anxious to hear the most are well done, good and faithful servant. And then uh, I brought you some chips and salsa just to, just to start with. I'm excited about both of those. And so to hear that again in a restaurant just means so much. Where I used to take it for granted. And coming to church is the same way. You know what I mean? Like I feel, it just feels different and it feels better because I get to be back with God's people. I made a promise to God. I just wouldn't take this for granted anymore. Amen, everybody? Never again would I take for granted the chance we have to be together in God's house. For those of you joining us uh, online today, I just want to say once again how glad I am that you're here why don't you share this with somebody? Uh, there's somebody else in your world that needs encouragement today. When you're ready, we're ready to have you back in the room. It's safe and secure, and your family is safe and secure here. We're doing everything we can to make you feel that way. So when you get ready, we're ready to have you. Amen, everybody in the room. We're excited to have you back. And I want you to know that you're our family, however you join us, whether you're here in the room today or online. A couple of things in church news I just have to reiterate uh, that Kesley told you about and that is next weekend is summer blockbuster it's just my favorite I love at the movies here if you're new to City Hills Church it's this the best thing that we do so here's here's what I got to tell you I, I want you to be a bringer next week and I know you say this is an odd time you know or people yeah they will they're pe- listen folk are looking for a reason to get out of the house come on somebody Whatever, whatever party you got going, I don't even know what we're doing, but I'll go just so I don't have to be here looking at him and I don't have to be here looking at her. So I would love to have you at Summer Blockbuster next weekend. At the movies is like nothing else we do. You heard Kesley talk about it. It's free popcorn and Cokes in church. That's worth the price of admission, honestly. But we take a Hollywood film and I preach God's word around that film and uh, for the summer blockbuster, we do this every November. This November, it'll come back for four weeks. We do it in the summer, just kind of a one week, just to give you an idea what uh, At The Movies is all about. We take one of our greatest hits from the last four years as a church, and we bring it back to summer blockbuster. I'm telling you what the team has put together for you this next weekend is going to be the best. It's just going to be a blast. I, I, matter of fact, everybody at Church Online, I'd, sure, I'd love to have you. You can't see it on YouTube. You can't see it on Facebook. Uh, you can only stream it live on our website, and it will not be available on demand. So the best thing to do is just be in the room. Amen, everybody. Just be here, and it's just going to be a great time. And then small groups kick it off so soon. Uh, matter of fact, today... Uh, if I get really boring and I see you uh, leaning down on your phone, I'll know you're looking at the small group directory. It opens today. So those of us who have already signed up, yeah, that's worth clapping for. Two of you clap for. Yeah. If you're at home today, why don't you surf over to cityhillstx.com slash groups. And the uh, online directory is open today. There are already some groups there. Not all of them. I hope some of you, God's still talking to you about leading a small group this fall semester. It's super easy to do. You say, well, I'm not a people person. That's okay. 
You don't have to be a people person. You just got to be a something else person. I'm a soccer. I'm a golf person. I'm a running person. I don't know what kind of people those are. But anyway, I'm a, I'm a, I'm some, I'm a some other kind of person. I bet there's other people like me, art, or, or you just want to read together. Or you just, you just, hey, if you're like me, I'm an eating person. Come on, somebody. My small group this semester, it is almost every semester. Brandy and I both lead small groups since we started the church. And almost every semester, there's something I, I'm going to lead around food. I'm doing it again this time. Men's breakfast together. And we're going to eat good in the morning. Come on, somebody. I'm from the deep south, so uh, the, but, uh, if you got biscuits, it's anointed. You know what I'm saying? And so my small group would be that, and I hope that you find something that uh, interests you. Hey, next week is uh, Summer Blockbuster. The week after that, I always like to tell you where we're headed. Uh, I'm going to start a new four-part series in the month of September we're calling Emotions. We're going to talk about all of the roller coaster we have all been on for the last six months with our emotions up and down and happy and sad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And angry and upset and worried and depressed and sleepy and all of that before 9 a.m. You know what I mean? I've just been riding that roller coaster. Maybe you have too. And I want to talk about getting a hold of our emotions. We're going to do that in September and October. But let me give you one more message in this series called Wind and Fire. Bow your heads. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, thank you for God's word. God, whatever you want to speak to me today, my answer before you even ask is yes. God, I'm ready to be changed. I'm ready to be better. I'm ready to leave here encouraged. I'm ready to leave church today with my head lifted high. Believe in God for more. I thank you for God's word. Thank you for this church family, however they're joining us today. I love them, and I thank you for the privilege to be on this team and serving in this house. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. When you shout amen online, you type it in all caps. You know what I mean? So if you're ever at church online, that's where you are. It's the final week uh, in a series. Thanks, Gabe. It's the final week in a series. Uh, on the Holy Spirit and the book of Acts. We kind of brought these two things together. And what we've talked about, if you haven't caught up, I would encourage you to go back in this series on YouTube and find uh, the last four messages in this series. I rarely do a five-week series, but I really felt, I felt this series, honestly, uh, at the end of last year, before we even knew kind of what 2020 was going to be, I felt like in August I wanted to bring you an extended series about the power and the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit and it's, and it's all about, really this whole series has been about the refreshing of our souls. Amen, everybody? It's, it's just been about, it's really been about one word, not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, write this in your notes. If you're not taking notes, write this in your notes anyway. <laughs> it's really all been about, it's been about revival. Maybe you, you heard that growing up. Anybody went to a tent revival? Come on, hands up everywhere you went to a tent. I remember that. I went to a tent revival, and, and I grew up in, in the delta, the eastern side of Arkansas. So it's really hot, and, and the mosquito is our state bird in Arkansas. There's a, it's just it's nasty. And Anyway, I've been, to, I've been to a lot of tent revivals. As your pastor, God help me, uh, we're not going to do a tent revival here. I just, I appreciate a little air conditioning. Come on, somebody, but... Maybe you think that's what revival is when you hear about it and you think about fire and brimstone preaching and you think about, you know, somebody sweating and a choir and all and nothing wrong with any of that. But it's really not revival is really a spiritual term. It's really a, a personal thing that happens to you and happens to me. It's, it's kind of this drink of spiritual cold water in your soul. It's kind of that breeze, that fresh air that fills your lungs up again. And I hope the last five weeks that's what you felt as we've 
open God's word about the Holy Spirit that you felt kind of that breeze come over you. You felt uh, that, that drink of cool water that you know that the Holy Spirit is here and it's available and that it lifts you. Say amen to that, everybody. There are people in your life that are like that, that revive you. You know what I'm talking about? There are also people who suck the life right out of you. Come on, somebody. Look straight ahead. Don't elbow nobody. Just look right at me when we say stuff like that. I just I saw a married couple in the back just go, mm. <laughs> it's not that kind of series. But there are people who give you life, and, 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 and they're like a refreshing to your soul. 2 Timothy talks about that. The Apostle Paul says, may the Lord, 2 Timothy 1.16, may the Lord bless Onesiphorus, which let me pause here and say, if you're having a baby boy, I will give you $100 to name him Onesiphorus. I think that is spectacular. It sounds like an element on the, on, on the periodic table. But anyway, this saint, um, Paul says, May God bless him and all his family because he visited me and encouraged me often. Listen, and his visits revived me like a breath of fresh air. It was like every time I'm around, you know people like that? Every time you're around them, they bring life to you. Some of them are here. Some of them on the front row. The Caesar family brings me life. Every time I'm around them, I can be down and depressed. And they just, I, you can't be depressed very long. If, if I am, they'll physically pick me up and throw me over their shoulder. And, and, and squeeze life back into me. You know what I'm saying? They're just people that do that to you. It, it's, it, there's a Greek word Paul used right there when he talks about that. It literally means to recover the breath of someone. It's like spiritual CPR. Really. That you breathe life back into somebody. By the way, let me stop right here and tell you, that's why you need a small group so bad. It's because you and I, outside of this world, I teach you this often. Let me remind you of this. Outside of God's house, there's enough hell out there for everybody. So when you get around God's people, it ought to be as close to heaven as we can possibly get. So that's why you need a small group. Matter of fact, our fall semester kicks off very soon. September the 13th runs to the uh, middle of November, November the 21st. Ten weeks where you get to be with God's people. You get to be around people who breathe spiritual CPR back into your life. They lift you up when work pulls you down. Come on, somebody. They speak life back into you when you're struggling in your marriage. And now there's another mentor couple that you can be around that can encourage you and say, Hey, if God can help us 20 years or 30 years, God can fix you. Come on, somebody. If God can deliver me, God can deliver you out of that addiction. There's just a breath of fresh air that happens. Leading a small group. Is a biblical thing to do. Y'all thought I was preaching something else today. I'm going to be all about small groups. This is for y'all today. It's biblical to lead. It's a book of Acts thing. Somebody said, man, I just want, I want a book of Acts kind of church. I just want to be in an Acts 2 kind of. And I know what you mean by that. And, and we are. And we've talked the last four weeks about the Holy Spirit moving and the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and praying in tongues. And we, we talked about all of that. And I believe in all of that. And I want you to have all that. And this is that kind of church. But a lot of people, when they say they want a book of Acts church, they mean they want the experience of the book of Acts without the responsibility of the book of Acts. So I, I like to say it this way, that the promise of Acts 2 is not just to give you goosebumps. The promise has always been for purpose. you got to do something with what God gave you. Uh, <laughs> the old preacher used to say it like this, you got to work what your mama gave you. 
That's terrible. Don't, 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 don't write me on that. <laughs> but you got to work what God gave you. If God gave you the Holy Spirit, He gave it to you, not just for you. He gave it to you so you do something with it. Say amen to that, everybody. God gave it to you for something. It's what happened after the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 and verse 46 says it like this. After the Holy Spirit's poured out, after they speak in tongues, after there's, there's fire that sets on each of them, after the rushing mighty wind, every day, everybody shout every day. Amen. Type every day, every day, every day. They continued to meet together. Where? I love this. In the temple courts, not in the temple because they were portable. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> they, just, they met in a, in a hotel conference room, courtroom. I really kind of like that. They just met in the temple courts. And then my favorite part of the book of Acts is they broke bread together in their homes. And what they do? Ate together. Come on, somebody. Eating is spiritual. You know what I'm saying? I feel the Holy Ghost every time I get around a Cracker Barrel. I, there's some spiritual of never trust real skinny preachers. They're not spiritual. Spirituality, you got to be healthy. Come on, is eating together, and they did it with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, they were in a small group. If you want to know what to do after Pentecost, you come to church and you go to a small group. That's God's plan for your life. That's what you do with purpose. After the promise. And that's, that's really what uh, my hope for you in this series is that you've opened up the book of Acts and said, man, I can do that. I can have that. What they had, I can have that. The book of Acts way is meeting in church and then meeting in homes. And, and that's really my hope for you in this series is that you learn how to have the Holy Spirit, that this breath of fresh air that's not only on you or in you, but it's working through you to others. That it's active in your life and it's not something you hold to yourself. It's why I'm asking you to be a bringer next week to Summer Blockbuster. Because the Holy Spirit that's in you, there's other people in your life that are cold and dead and lifeless and feel like they have. It's just religious and it's, there's no life in their relationship with God. And they need to experience the same power you've experienced. Shout amen to that, everybody. There's areas of your life that happens to you and I. I want to wrap up this whole series and put you a bow on it. On telling you why all of this matters. And how the Holy Spirit will change every area of your life. There's some times in my life when things just become stale. And in a slump. You know what I mean by that? I don't like anything in my pantry that is close to out of date. There are some nasty people in this church that will taste the stuff before you throw it away. You, are you with me? Are you married to one of those kind of people? That even though the date said April 17th and it's October the 4th, well, let's just try it. You know, these are just suggestions. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know nasty people like that? It's really nasty when it's liquid. Come on, somebody. You know somebody that drink, that tastes the milk or smell it. Smell it. If I have to smell it to know, I already know. Come on, somebody. That's always a good idea. I don't like anything stale. And, but there's some stuff in my life, my spiritual life, my relationships, my parenting, my marriage. There's some stuff you get stagnant and listless and inactive and in a slump. 
And I wanted this series, and I want for you more than anything, especially coming out of 2020, to get some wind back in your sails, to get your shoulders thrown back a little bit, to kind of shake off what you've put on over the last six months together. If the enemy wants anything for you as a believer, he wants to keep you even after a vaccine, even after coronavirus is gone, even after an election, even after 2021, he wants to keep you as down as you are right now. He wants to have made what was supposed to be temporary become permanent in your life. And I want you to get some wind back in your sails. And I'm going to preach from now until it works, trying to break off all of that stuff from us so that you can get out of that slump. We all get in this place we call the doldrums. You ever, you ever called it that? You ever know someone? It's kind of this place we call, we talk about it like it's this place where you're in a funk and you're sad and you're discouraged and you're depressed and you're stuck. Some of you have been there a few years. <laughs> so, some of you have been there a few weeks or a few months and all of this. But the doldrums is literally an environmental term. It's a term that mariners would use to describe this place around the equator at the intertropical convergence zone. It's where the wind from the northern hemisphere and the currents and clouds from the southern hemisphere come together and they create this area of unpredictable weather. And most of the time where these two things meet around the equator, there is no wind. So if you're sailing and you get close to the doldrums, you could die. Because there's literally no wind to move your boat. The, the weather's unpredictable there. There's no breath there. And, and, and if you're not careful in your life, at the point of transitions, when the wind's blowing this way, when you started January 2020 thinking, man, things are going to be okay. This is going to be my year. 2020 vision. This is my decade. This is, I'm coming. And then all of a sudden, March comes along and blows this way. And you had no idea. None of us had any idea that the danger and the struggle and the problems. And now we're stuck in the doldrums in between. And it's lifeless. And it's listless. And it's unpredictable. And there's no wind in ourselves and I wear stretchy pants six out of seven days and you've started going to Target dressed like you were going to Walmart and you know what I mean <laughs> and you just give up and you just eat Oreo. I've started eating Oreos every night. I'm confessing. I don't even know if Brandy knows this. I eat four Oreos every night like I'm taking vitamins. Somebody come get me. Come rescue me. It's, I got an amen on that. It's just lifeless and listless. And everybody's been there from time to time, maybe in your marriage. You can't really put your finger on it. You just know it feels stale, stagnant, lifeless can't stand each other and can't really know why. You've been stuck together in a room, in a house. Some of us still at home right now with compromised health concerns, still stuck together, struggling. Could be your job. You don't know how things got this way, but when you first started working there, you were excited about it and you loved it. And now I hate it, and I don't know what's wrong, and I don't know why. I just don't, I don't have any life in it. This is what I went to school for. This is what I thought I wanted to do with my life, and now I just, it's all I can do to get out of bed. 
Sometimes it happens in your relationship with God. It was vibrant and on fire and it had passion and now I don't even know where or how or what. But it just got stuck. When you get to this place, the doldrums where there's no wind in your sails, when it's unpredictable, when these two things converge, there's a lot of things, several responses, a lot of things people do. Write these in your notes. The first thing that happens is you start faking it. You start faking it. It's the first thing I see as a pastor in people's lives. You're in a bad place, in a stale place, and you just fake it, thinking if I fake it long enough, I'll feel it. I'll fake it until I feel it. And, and, and you say things like when someone asks, how's it going? You say, it's awesome. Christians are really good at this. How's it going? Bless. The louder and quicker you shout bless, the worse I know it is in your life. <laughs> we feel like there's something wrong with us saying we, we, everything's wrong. And it, it, you just you come to church and you say, I'm just too blessed to be stressed. And praise God and everything's wonderful. And the fact is you cussed in the car and yelled at everybody. And your bad kids are just bad. They're right now kicking our teachers in the shin. They're just bad. You don't know why and you don't know how things got this way and you start putting band-aids over the bullet holes of your spiritual life. Faking it. Thinking it a heal if I cover it up. You won't tell anyone what's really going on. Jeremiah gets this way. Jeremiah 6.14 says there are people who dress the wound as though it were not serious, band-aids over bullet holes. And they say it's, it's great, peace, peace. And there really is no peace. I don't know if you ever talk to someone, you're, you're trying to pour your heart out and tell them what you're going through and bury your soul, and they say something like, you're going to be okay, you'll be fine. And, and then the longer someone tells you that, you just start faking it so that you'll be fine. And the progression in the doldrums is after you fake it, you start putting it off. Write that down. You put it off. You know you're in a funk on some level, but instead of dealing with it, instead of, instead of taking the precautions you need to take, instead of finding some help, instead of getting in a small group where you can take off the mask and have a brother to walk through and a sister to help you and pray with you, you just put it off. And you'll say things like this, one of the biggest lies of the enemy that I hear Christians repeat all of the time, and you don't even know the devil came up with it, is time will heal all wounds. Look into my eyes. Time doesn't heal anything. God can heal anything. Time just makes it longer. Time doesn't heal anything. It just makes you hurt longer. It just counts down the minutes, days, weeks, and years that you've hurt. You need, that's why you need to get in a, a community of other people. Because James 5 says it like this. That if you'll confess your faults one to another. And you'll pray for one another. That you'll be healed. I like to say it this way. We go to God for forgiveness, but we go to God's people for healing. Say amen to that. There's something that happens, but I put it off and I just say, I'll deal with it later. But time makes it worse. In relationships, I see it all the time where people, it's boring, it's stagnant, it's stale. And instead of getting intentional about fixing it, you lie and say it's okay and then you put it off. And by putting it off, it makes it worse. Or... I teach you this in our, uh, in our relationship series often. What, what I'll see a lot of times is, I know what we'll do to fix it. We'll have more kids. 
And then there's babies in a, in a marriage that is struggling and you're just putting it off instead of dealing with it. Hebrews 12 and 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up because time doesn't heal. It makes it worse. Bitterness can start out as a small weed that turns into a root that grows up. You ever had a small weed in your grass in the yard and, and it's just small dandelion. You don't think anything about it and before long you don't realize but there's a whole patch. You know what I mean? And that joker's got roots all the way down, you know what I mean, in this rocky soil and it's hard to get out now. And bitterness is that way and hurt is that way and unforgiveness is that way and hatred is that way and struggling is that way and anxiety is that way. You can push it down and put it off and it creates a root that's harder to pluck out of your life. You stay in the doldrums, missing God's very best for you. The next step you get to is you just give up. You just give up. I see it all the time. You see it all the time. People who miss the point of a relationship with God and they just walk away. And they've let it become religion instead of relationship. And the religion, at, at its, when it fails them, now I don't know where to turn to. Now I don't have anything else. I did all the things. I said all the things. I, I, I checked all the lists. And it just, I just, it didn't work. And so they give up and they walk away. And although they go through all the motions and they obey all the rules and they try to get it right, they're exhausted and they just throw in the towel. And maybe that's you. Maybe you know what that's like to have a relationship built on all of that stuff that eventually fails. You realize it wasn't a relationship at all. It was this cold religion and you just walk away. People do this in their relationships, in, in, in their lives. They do that with their careers. They hit a wall. They can't find a way out. And they just... They can't find a way to get fresh air and they just give up. I, this isn't for me. I, I just made the wrong decision. And they give up. And if I, I, I can't change it anymore. My job can't change. My marriage can't change. My relationship with God isn't changing. And so I'll just give up on all of it. Maybe you know what it's like to not feel hope. And you give up. And then, and then the worst part. And the last part in the doldrums, when you, when you get stuck in that, in that place of convergence, when you get stuck, when there's no, there's no wind in your cell and it doesn't look like a way out, you just eventually die. You just eventually die there. I don't necessarily mean literal death. Though it happens, most of the time you just lose hope. You lose confidence. I know a lot of people who die. Before they're buried. They die in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. And they just check out mentally. They check out morally. They just decide, I'll do whatever I want. Nothing matters anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what I say or what I do. And so they'll check out of a relationship morally. And now there's infidelity and a divorce. And they just throw their morals to a wind. Why? It's a death that happens. And it all started way back before the choice. And this doldrums place of cold, dead, no wind, no life. No breeze in my life. No wind in my cells. Some people die spiritually. They just turn their back on the whole thing and say this is not for me and they live absolutely opposite of what they used to live whatever reason 
The Apostle Paul got to this point. You're, if you've ever been there, and, and by the way, I don't want you to feel like, man, that's a terrible place. I can't believe, I feel guilty about all that. Now, listen, you're in good company. Paul gets to this place in his life where he honestly believes death is better. 2 Corinthians 1 and 8 says it like this. We were under great pressure. You know the feeling? Far beyond what we thought we could endure. So that we despaired even life. And in our hearts, we just died. Paul said, I know what it's like to just feel like this is not worth it anymore. Most theologians believe at this point, this is as close to suicidal as Paul's ever been. Just dead on the inside. Eyes are open, but there's no life. I'm in the doldrums, I'm stuck, I'm trapped, I'm in a rut, it's lifeless, it's listless, I'm just, my, my relationships, my career, my purpose, I just feel stuck and I need this fresh air in my life. I need a breeze to blow through. I spent five weeks preaching to you about the person and promise and power of the Holy Spirit so that you would know you don't have to live your life stuck in the doldrums. This isn't all that God has. And a lot of people believe if I try harder, if I do more, when we find ourselves stuck, we think, man, if I, I can do external things to fix what I really need on the inside. And men are, are, are great at this. Men are tinkerers. You know what I mean? Anybody out there know what that's like? Where You could call a plumber. But it's better if you did. Before we do that, let me get under there and just uh, let me get this thing, you know. And bring me the uh, bring me the Allen wrench and the uh, the flux capacitor, and I'm gonna get under here, and and I'm gonna and just to be a plumber, you kind of pull your pants down in the back just a little bit. I mean, you just do the whole thing, you know what I mean? Just I can fix it. We got plumbers in our church. I can fix this, you know. And and then and then when you make the problem worse. Then your wife standing over you while you're underneath that sink with her arms folded like this says, I've already called him. He'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) You know? But we try and we try to fix us and we try to do what we think needs to be done. That something that can happen. I'll start manufacturing external energy. or I'll start trying to get everything externally done. But it doesn't work that way. And it's always been this choice. Which one am I going to do? Am I going to do what I can or am I going to let God do what He can? Am I going to do it on my strength or am I going to let God do it in his strength. And it started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. So if you're new to the Bible, Adam and Eve are in the garden and the serpent, the devil, comes and he tempts them. This is not on the screen, not in your notes, but Genesis 2. The Lord commands Adam, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you do, you'll surely die. But there's another tree, Genesis 2 and 9, not in your notes. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now wait, here's a choice. God says, I can't eat the knowledge of good and evil. If I do, the Bible said, you will surely die. It's the doldrums. It's spiritual death. You can do it on your own. Try to fix it on your own, and it's death. Or... 
there's a tree of life. And in the tree of life, there's relationship and it's vibrant and it gives hope and it gives you life back into your bones and fresh air back into your lungs. If it, Satan always wanted to try to convince you to pick the wrong tree. It's actually the way we've built our whole church. We've organized our whole church around the idea that religion, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is how most people try to get to God. If I do all the right stuff, if I say all the right stuff, if I give enough, if I pray enough, if I show up enough, if I do all of this, if I fix it externally, then I'll try to be, if I'll behave, if the rules are there, then I'll get it right. But that's never going to, it always leads to death, but the tree of life always leads to relationship and vibrancy and passion and air back in your lungs and the Holy Spirit lifts you. It's the tree of life. It's much easier, I agree, to live by just a set of rules, but eventually you die in cold, dead, windless doldrums. And you need life. The good news that Jesus brought It's not about you acting better. It's about you being better. It's about this interchange that happens on the inside, different at your core. So this morning, I want to wrap up. i got about five or six minutes, and I want to wrap up by giving you the opposite. I'm going to give you what you do, what I do, and then what God's plan for me is. If you want to live this wind and fire kind of life, this spirit-filled, spirit-led kind of life, the first thing that we do, write this in your notes, you'll see it on the screen, we try to do more. We think if I do more, then this is it. Again, this is religion in a nutshell. If I do enough, if I do more. But honestly, this is just performance. And if you're not careful, this performance mentality starts building up on the inside of you and your spirituality is based solely on how good you do. The problem is, some days I don't do so good. And now, my relationship with God is built on what I did and I messed up and so He must be mad. God never meant for you to do more. He meant for, write this down, for you to receive what has already been done. So religion says do more, give more, show up more, pray more, follow the rules more. And relationship says all you got to do is receive what God's already done. You got to experience what Jesus has done for you. Listen to me. I I love studying God's word. Our small groups have Bible study in them. If you want a Bible study and to start a small group Bible study, I think that's fantastic. But I've met a ton of Christians who know a lot about the Bible. They just don't have a relationship with the God of the Bible. It's just knowledge here and no experience here. you got to receive what He's done. The second area I struggle in, if you'll eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is you try to get, write this down, you try to get God's approval. You just do everything you can. I kind of grew up this way. This has always been an issue for me personally because I grew up believing God was always mad. God was always disappointed. Like He was some heavenly highway patrolman, you know, ready to pull me over. Mess me up. If I'm not careful, I'll go back to this kind of thinking. God, I'll do enough if you'll just like me. 
God, I did enough. Why don't you like me? Instead of trying to get God's approval, relationship, wind and fire, spirit-filled living is receiving, write this down, receiving God's best and God's love for you. The truth is He already loves you just like you are. In fact, He loves you so much, He won't leave you just like you are. He loves you broken and messed up and confused and addicted and hurting and used and struggling and I don't know. And But He won't leave you there. He'll pick you up and bandage you and bind your wounds. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I've come to set those that feel like they're captive free. I've come to bind up the bruised. I won't leave you like that. You just have to receive what He's done. Here's the last thing and we'll pray. Most people believe if I do everything in this book, then God, like even with the Holy Spirit, I'll just obey because you told me to. I call it obeying out of duty. You know, I just, I got to do it. I guess I got to receive it. I get, that's the, the, the problem with the Holy Spirit. Some people present the Holy Spirit as I got to. You got to or else. God's waiting to get you if you don't get it. And I'm better than you because I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you haven't. And, and if you don't, you're less than and second than and second class. And there's just no hope for you. And, and so you just do it. Out. And I have seen throughout my ministry, I really have. I've seen people come to the front and they begged God. Because I have to. It's a duty. I, I, I got I to do it. And, and, and what, what if your children, what if your spouse, what if they knew the only reason you did anything for them is because, well, I married you. I guess I have to do something for our anniversary. By the way, pause right here. Men, you have to do something on your anniversary. All right, I'm back. But that, can't, that ain't going to last long. At some point, you got to want to. Listen. The whole idea of wind and fire and really the mission of this church is I don't want you to want a relationship with the Holy Spirit because I have to. I don't want you to obey out of duty. What what it means to be a life-giving church is that everybody who calls this church home, write this in your notes, obeys out of delight. I get to go to church. That's what I love about our dream team. We never talk about what we have to do. Brandy and I have, since our children were very, very small, when, when they just were learning to talk, we wouldn't let them say things like, we have to go to church, or dad has to go to church, or dad has to leave earlier. This morning, when I left the house before my family to come to set up, when I was here early, I did not tell my children, I have to leave. Dad's got to go early. I said, I get to go to load in this morning. This isn't a duty I have. This is the delight of my heart. Serving God and worshiping and praying and, and even the Holy Spirit. It's not something I have to have. It's something I get to experience. It's the power of God. It's the presence of God that's close. And it's a delight to have it. First John 5 and 3, not on the screen, but it says that when you love God, that the commandments of the Lord aren't hard. They're not burdensome. And I've met people who struggle in their relationship with God because it's just so heavy. It's just duty. And I'm asking you today as we wrap up this whole series of wind and fire, I want you to choose life. I want you to choose a life-giving relationship with God. 
I preached to you about the Holy Spirit for four or five weeks, not because I think you're less than, but because I think there's more for you. I want you to experience it. I want you to choose a life-giving wind in yourselves, fresh air in your lungs, cool drink of water on a hot day, relationship with God, because the world's hard enough like it is. I need something else. You need something else. We need the Holy Spirit. I need wind blowing in my life. I need the power and fire of God in my life. So, bow your heads wherever you are. Church online, bow your heads for prayer. If you're in church today and you say, man, I know what that's like to be in the doldrums. If you're church online today, you can just raise your hand there. Wherever you're watching this, wherever you're joining us, church online, there's a little area that says, I want to raise my hand for prayer. You can do that now. And if you're in the room, you say, man, I know what it's like to be in the doldrums at some area of my life, in my relationship, on my job. Just my peace, my joy is gone. And my relationship with my kids, or, or maybe even your relationship with God, you feel like it's lifeless stale and stagnant. If that's you, would you just be bold enough to lift your hand and say, man, that's me. I know that feeling. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Thank you. I see you. God bless you. Couples. Church online. Thank you. God bless you. I put your hands down and I can't pray this prayer for you, but I can pray it along with you surrendering prayer that sounds like this Jesus I believe that you came for people like me in places like this in the doldrums with no life no wind I don't even really know how I got here God I don't know how we got here life just kind of happened and the years went by God I'm asking come on say this from the depths of your soul I'm asking the breeze, the fresh air, the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow again in my life. God, this year's been tough. It's, it's cracked open some areas of my life that I thought I'd dealt with. I thought I was past. I thought was healed, and they're not. God, I, I've dealt with depression more than I've ever dealt with it before in 2020. I, I've dealt with anxiety and fear or worry or dealing with it now. God, my kids have gone crazy, not really sure where we went wrong, thought we did everything right. Now we're here in the doldrums, no air. I'm asking you to blow again, asking for the wind of God, Holy Spirit, to blow through my family, in my marriage, in my life. Come on, wherever it is for you, you know how to pray. Ask God, ask Him. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to move in this area of my life. I'm asking you to touch my marriage today. God, I know that it didn't break overnight, and I know that everything may not get fixed in this moment, but I'm asking you to help us. Come on, if you're struggling today with fear about the future, anxiety about what's next, how do I get back? Where do we start rebuilding? I don't even know what to do. Well, it starts now and here and like this with a little fresh air 
God, I'm asking for that in my life. Father, I pray for that of every person in this church today. Now, if you're in church, at Church Online, everybody's head still bowed. and You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. I don't like to close a church service without giving you a chance to get saved today. You say, Pastor, is it just that simple? Yeah, it's the simple prayer, but it costs you everything in your life, honestly. You get to trade all of the hurt, shame, brokenness, sin, addiction. And in, in response, God gives you eternal life. But He doesn't just give you eternal life in heaven. He gives you abundant life on earth. It's the start of a relationship. It's not the ending, but it's the beginning. You've got to start somewhere. So if you've never prayed that kind of surrender prayer, or you have and it's been a long time, and you just need to come home today and make a fresh start with God. Would you just pray? Matter of fact, everyone, would you pray out loud this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. I believe that you died for my sins, that you were buried, and that God raised you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me today. Heal all of my hurt. I trade all of my sin, all of my mistakes, all of my past, all of my brokenness for all of you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Give God praise.